Amen. Amen. Is that a good church? Amen. Remain standing with me for just a minute as I introduce Pastor Robin because I want to greet him properly. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to be here with Pastor Robin yet, uh, he's one of our overseers. And I am not making an understatement on this, but Gulfside Church would not exist. We would have never had the opportunity to pursue this vision if it were not for Robin his belief in us, his training, his mentorship, his support. And so we at Gulfside are very thankful. And will you join me in welcoming him to the stage today? I love you, man, so much. I love you. You may be seated. Wow. You know, it was years ago, Paul asked me if I'd be one of his spiritual fathers, and I cried. We sat together. I'll never forget the day that he told me some things about his life, his call. And he'll remember the very day I'm talking about when he told me the brokenness in his life and with his father and different things. And I said to him, I had tears screwed on my face, Paul, you remember? I said, today, you became a church planter. That's when you got Paul and Tia, so give it up to God. Give it up to God for that. Man. And, um, and now, here's what I always get to say, and I don't say this every day, so the only place I can say this, I have three favorite churches. Come on, smile at me. Of course, my favorite has to be the one I planted in 1987 in Phoenix, Arizona. I stayed 18 years, so that's, that's always been my favorite, and God was so uh, gracious to me at age 32 to do this, and, and I'm watching it happen again and again with young couples like Paul and Tia. And then, of course, Union Chapel took me in. And I'm going to preach a sermon about returning when we're broken. And, um, and Union Chapel reinstated me to plant churches again nine years ago. And then the apple of our eye is Paul and Tia, the first plant that we have. So you're my third favorite church. Come on, give it up. Give it up for yourself. Is that awesome? You know, and I see the Burns family. I see so many families I love. And Mark and Kathy walked in uh, from Union Chapel. And here they are over here. And I just, I love you guys. And so just to be here is an honor. I called Paul this week just to tell him I'm going to attend your church on Sunday. I did not ask to preach. And then he asked me to preach. And I said, I got a new one and a great one. I can't wait to preach. He goes, you don't get to preach that one. We're in the story and you're going to preach from Ezra. Now, come on. You guys are in the story. When was the last time you read Ezra? Come on, people. If it weren't for the story, you wouldn't be in Ezra. So I've never preached out of Ezra. And so I'm very excited, though, because, you know, when you live with God's word, you know, I accepted that assignment on, was it Tuesday or something? And, and I've just been immersed in my spirit, in my, in my heart with this text. And our pastor had preached on Ezra. And so I went back. And I listened to our pastor's sermon, Pastor Greg. He's an amazing communicator. My favorite phone call, other than the one to Paul, was to Pastor Greg when I told him, only two of your points made my message. Come on, people. That's funny. And then I told him, I'm going to preach those two points better than you did. Come on, just enjoy me. He, he, can never, <laughs> he, he can never quit laughing at me. He goes, Robin, you always crack me up. You just always crack me up. But listen, we have an awesome pastor, and he preached this amazing. But you know, you always have to hear afresh. So I'm not just joking about it. We had to go to God's Word. So no matter what I say today, you go home and you search Ezra chapter 1, 1 through 4, and you search Haggai's prophecy, and you search about this scripture 
because God will say something new to you even if I spur you in a good way today, okay? Now, the beautiful thing uh, about the story is you guys have been through creation. There's five movements in the story. There's creation, and then there's Israel, and you're in the midst now of God calling a people, Israel, the Jewish people, they're his people, and then you'll come to Jesus, which is my favorite part of the whole part of the story, but then the church is the fourth movement because that's the new Israel. And so today we get to kind of hear the message to Israel. And now we're the new as we're the, we're now not building a temple. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul, you get to light it up when you get to Revelation, give us the greatest news ever made that we're going to live eternally in a new kingdom that's been restored. And he's going to restore uh, this earth. You know that. And so you're going to get to the great promise. So today we're still back at Israel. And here is where we start today. I want you to hear these numbers before I read you the text, okay? We're going to read out of Ezra chapter 1, but this is a return. We call it the return home from Babylon. Now listen to me. Hear the number. They were in bondage for 70 years. 70 years. Now listen. That number is always a perfect number, not about bondage, but I believe that God is saying to them what is so destructive in your life. It might be seven years, it might be seven months, it might be 17 years, it might be 70 years, but whatever has kept you away from the Father, God says, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to redeem it. And so 70 is the perfect number. So God takes this number of bondage and he reminds us that he forgives us. Say it with me. 70 times, come on, say it with me. 70 times seven. Because he takes our brokenness. He takes our sin. He nails it. Wasn't that course? You guys were shouting that course. He nailed the, my sin to the old rugged cross. It took his crimson blood. So the 70, now the 70 also becomes important to me because he said, to all of us, you're promised in some kind of big way, three score and 10 years, and I'm one year away. I have one year left to profit, to live. Come on. That's what's promised. I got one year left, but I hope I have many years like my father who lived in 95. But isn't that funny? You, you, you get that number 70 in your mind, you say, Lord, thank you so much for sustaining me, and he's brought me back, and I'll share part of that story today. So if if you have your Bibles or you want to look up on the screen, I want you to turn to Ezra chapter 1. And at Union Chapel, we do this, so I'm just going to do it to feel like I'm at home today. We stand for the reading of God's Word. Would you do that with me? In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved on the heart of King Cyrus. Now, let me tell you something. Do your study today. He was an evil king. Did you hear me? He was totally untrustworthy. He put these people in bondage. He was evil. You got to get that in your mind to know how good God is. But God came to him. By the way, Daniel came and prophesied to him and said, you don't know your call, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to release the children of Israel. And he listened. And here's what King Cyrus said. I declare the Lord, the God of heaven, 
has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem and Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. You may be seated. May God honor his word. Now, did you get the framework of this now? He's kept the people in bondage for 70 years. I'm going to make a statement to you, and I'm going to brag on your pastors. You ready? When God wants to do something magnificent, do something great, God always chooses a person. Did you hear me? When God wants to do something great, God always chooses a person. And people begin to argue with me and say, you don't know God can do whatever. He doesn't have to have us. He doesn't need us. All that stuff. And I just look at him deadpan and say, when he wanted to save you, he chose his only son. Come on. God always chooses a person. Now that's good preaching. You're just sitting there. Come on. He chose Jesus to set you free. Put your hands together for that. Listen, can I brag on your pastor? Listen, when he came, to me and said, I feel called to plant. I reminded him that Tia was like Mary. She was great with child. Come on. She was expecting this beautiful son. They had these beautiful three daughters that I already loved. They're awesome. And I said, now, Paul, I know you feel the call. Are you sure it's right now? And we're going to get to this point in the sermon. But God will always make a way. It's the most electrifying point in this message, the first point. No matter what the circumstances, God will always make a way. If he calls you, if he speaks to you, and you respond, God will make a way. Can I tell you, you were pregnant? I said, Paul, come on, I'm like a grandpa. I'm not like a dad. I go, why don't you wait a year and a half? Come on. That's because that's the human voice and he had to ignore it and still treat me with respect, okay? Come on, laugh. <laughs> he said, Robin, I'm burning inside. And we've prayed and we've studied. and We've said, God, where do you want us to go? And it's Cape Coral. Have you been there? No, no. But I, I do know Florida. But it is a city that needs Christ. And look at me. I'm going to brag on you today. It's emotional. You left with these three little girls and carrying that precious little boy, and you came. And listen, we, it was nine months before we could start paying Paul. And listen, Tia, you wrote, look at me, honey. I love you. She's wired like me, so I like her even more. Remember, she's got my personality type, ENFJ. Listen, you, you took the lead, and you provided. Listen, when God chooses a couple, if they say yes, or an individual... God will make a way. God will make a way. Even, now go to our personal lives. We should never preach the Old Testament. There's one rule without seeing it in the New Testament. Because the Old Testament is a shadow of what is going to be completely fulfilled. You cannot read this story of being in bondage for 70 years 
and God restoring a nation and bringing people back to put him first. You can't preach it without thinking about the prodigal son. Come on, people. You can't do it. You can't do it without Luke 15. Now, I'm not going to read that because it's a long story, but you should know that story. Of all the stories that Jesus told, you should know the prodigal son story. Because it's not just about a son, it's about a daughter. It's about any person. Because we lose our way. But God will always make a way. And that's the best news I could tell you today. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, God will make a way. Can I tell you a broken-hearted story that happened to me a year and a half ago? My dad lived to 95. I'm claiming that kind of genes. Come on, I'm claiming it. I'm not even near done. Harvard came out with the report that your most important decade, decade is when you're in your 50s. The second most effective decade is in your 60s. And I'm wrapping it up. Come on, people. And your third most effective decade, no, it isn't your 40s, it's your 70s. You know why? Because you finally get it. Come on, people. You finally get it. Come on, hit yourself. You finally say, God, I trust you. I don't mean we're perfect. I'm still broken. But you know what? I know. I got to say something to you guys. I didn't say it at the first service. Do you know why I pray for you guys every day? Okay, I'll make this quick. I won't go long, I promise, Paul, because this wasn't in the first message. You know why I pray for you guys every day? Because you're one of the most beautiful churches I've seen. Now, you think I mean this building. No, I love the high school. I mean you. Come on, you're not receiving it. These are beautiful kids. They're beautiful young couples here. Now, see, I'm old, so I'm not saying this in a weird way. You're beautiful people. You know why I worry about you? Because you're beautiful, you're talented, and you have money. Come on, now you're going to turn, turn me off. No, I worry every day because you know what the enemy always does, don't you? Hey, God's holding. He started with Adam and Eve. Come on, stay with me. He didn't deceive Eve with some crazy idea. He appealed to the lie that he keeps saying to you who are beautiful and young and rich. Remember the rich young ruler. What was odd about that? That he was young and a ruler but that he was rich as a young ruler. See, rulers are rich, but he was young. And when we're young, we're stupid. Come on. And here's the lie. Let me tell it to you real quick. Eve, if you eat what God told you not to eat from that tree, you'll be like God. You know what the lie is, don't you? He doesn't want your best. He, he wants to keep that from you. Don't listen to You can't trust God. I know he says everything I have is yours. He says everything in this garden. No, no, no. He won't give you what you really want. Do you hear me, people? When you hear that lie in any form, young people, when he says, hey, take now. Get involved sexually. With, no, no, no. Young people, listen to me. I'm not being harsh. I'm a dad. I'm a grandpa. I'm not harsh anymore. That's a lie. Temptation is always Satan saying, take what God has for you in perfection now, but if you wait within his boundaries, he'll bless you completely. Don't, don't listen to the lie. Don't believe that you'll be happier if you just have more things. Come on, you with me? See, that's the second part of this message. He set them free to go build the temple. And guess what God did? He had all the people give them gold and silver and temper. He, the evil king not only helped them start to build the temple, 
He gave them all the resources. And guess what happens within just a few years? You ready? They lose their way. They lose their way. God made a way that's unbelievable. And then they believe the lie. You know what the lie is? I know he wants me to have everything too. You know what the lie is? If I just, you know what Haggai had to come and say, you were building the temple. You built an altar to never forget. You took communion today to never forget what Jesus did. And now you believe the lie again that you'll only be happy if you get your paneled houses. And guess what God says just directly? You put yourself first. It's the number one mistake that every Christian makes. Did you hear me? I didn't say sinners. Christians begin to put themselves first. Instead of leaning on Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and all these things will be added. We begin to say, hey, I know God wants me to have all these things. Now, there's nothing wrong. Here's what C.S. Lewis says, my favorite author. I read Mere Christianity every year. It's the only book other than the Bible I read every year. Mere Christianity, it just changes me every time I read it. But here's what C.S. Lewis says. If you seek first things first, everything will be added. Second things, third things, everything. But if you seek second things first, you will lose both second and first. Are you with me? Come on. You know, the older you are, you nod your head more. You young people are kind of going, oh, I don't know. No, we know. You know why old people like me don't buy new furniture? Because we know we bought too much already. I used to go into my grandpa and grandma's house. They kept plastic on their couch. I thought, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong with these people? No, because they're not going to buy any more. They're done. They've learned the lie. More won't do it. See, i got to confess something to you. I'm, I'm an addict. I'm an adrenaline addict. Now, I've been sober 22 years. Last night was the highlight of my weekend so far until today. We opened our first recovery church in Venice, and the room was packed. You know why I like talking to people coming out of addictions? Because they know how broken they are. Do you know why it's hard to preach to churches? You're not convinced yet. Come on. You're not convinced how broken you are. No. See, addictions are just sin full grown that has got us on the verge of death. So nobody in that room, I didn't have to shout at them. I didn't have to say, do you know what you All I had to say was, God will make a way. And they were on their feet. And he'll make a way tonight. And you can never deter. You have to build an altar every day. See, everybody in that room knows that I do this every day, and they do it every day. I find someone to tell my story to so that I won't go back. I find someone to say I'm an addict. And last night was electrifying to find people broken, have lost probably everything. And they're now finding everything. It's exciting. It's very exciting. So we lose our way. So I'm going to tell you a story. I, wrote, I, I called Pastor Greg and I said, I'm not only going to preach your point better than you, I'm going to tell a better story. Come on, people. He can never quit laughing at me. But you'll never forget this story. It's a little simple one. I got saved at 19. 
I was 19 years old. I had declared at this Christian college I didn't want to be there. I was there to play basketball and golf. I didn't want to know Christians. They were all, they'd have Bible studies in the hallway. And I would say, would you quit praying for me? No, I, I'm embarrassed. I just, I couldn't stand being there. And one night, a group of athletes that sang together, they called themselves Christian athletes. I thought that was an anomaly. What's it mean to be a Christian athlete? I never knew one. Would you come and play guitar for us? Because our guitar player is sick. So I went and I made one rule. I'm going to play. I'm not staying for the testimonies. You hear me, people? Listen, I'll play because I respect you, but I'm out of here. And the next thing I knew, I listened to the opening of Freeman Blade's testimony. And my heart was crushed. I respected him more than anyone. He went on to play in the NBA. He went on to play mainly in the CBA. But this guy was an amazing athlete and so humble. And I found myself at an altar weeping. And I've never been the same. I've, I've been broken. I've lost my way at times. But that night, I ended up surrendering my life to ministry, to Jesus, and I went back and told my roommate, and he had made a decision that night in a different place. And then eventually, we sang together. He was a football player. I was a basketball player. We went and shared our testimony with thousands of young people. We sang in 90 churches. We called ourselves Robin and John. What do you think about that? Some people called us Robin's John. Come on, that's hilarious. But we went, they put us, by the way, we tried out to travel for the school and we made it. But to not embarrass anybody or hurt any church, they sent us where no one had ever been sent before. Churches of 30 and 20 and 50, they go, you go out west and take Route 66, and we don't think you can cause much damage. Come on, people. That's what they told us. They sent the big groups, the big churches, and all the huge ones in the Midwest. But we're up here headed to Denver to the youth convention, singing 90 times at youth camps every night, lifting up Jesus. And here's what the deal was. Sometimes we had to drive three or 400 miles in the middle of the night to get to the next church the next day. So here's the rule. We were in this little Saab 96. And so whoever was driving, ready for the two rules? That person drives, when the tank's almost gone, we're on Route 66, pull off to a gas station on the right-hand side. You got the rule? Right-hand side. Wake up the guy in the passenger seat, which was me, he woke me up. I ran in, paid for the gas, filled it up. By the time I got back to the car, John was asleep. But I know the rules. Stop at a gas station on the right-hand side and then, and then take off. So I jumped in. I thought, he'll keep the rules. Come on, he's an SJ enjoying me. He'll keep the rules. But he's asleep. And so, you ever do this? I just took out on my own. But he stopped at a gas station on the left-hand side. So, you know, are you, are you quick out there? How slow are you? So I'm going the wrong way on the right road. Come on, people. I'm going the wrong way on the right road, and I'm making great time. Come on. And a half hour goes by. Now, you got to track with me. You older people will get this. A Greyhound bus came by. You know how they post where the bus is headed in the overhead thing? And it, it said, Denver. You know what I said? God gave me a sign. You know what I said, though? They never change those signs anymore. You know, can't they get good leadership at Greyhound? And I promise you, it was another 40 minutes and another bus went by and said, Vegas. And I said, they need a lot of help at Greyhound. <laughs> now, people, listen to me. 
You'll never forget that. This is our life. Listen, we love Jesus. And then temptation comes. This won't cost me everything. It just starts with a thought. And then an act. This is how it all happens. We're on the right road. We love Jesus. Just a little more. You know, I know I'm putting God first, but you know, you know, it's hard to tithe right now because you know we're not making what I thought we were going to make. You, you know all the temptations. That won't hurt. And we believe the lie. God's holding out. God will understand. I just need, I need this for my family. And we build our houses and we, and we, we put ourselves first and we're on the right road going the wrong way. And God gives us warning signs. And we keep ignoring them until, we, until, we're, until we're headed towards a big crash. Now, you know what happened to me, don't you? I ignored the first two little warning signs. Now, kids, I'm going to see how smart you are. Guess what I couldn't ignore? When the sun came up in the west. Come on, people. You guys are too slow out there. The sun comes up. In, I know the kid just said, the sun comes up in the east. I know. In fact, I was so freaked out. I, I started waking John up and said, John, John, what is that? I thought it was a spaceship because I thought I was going west. And he goes, that's the sun. I go, go back to sleep. Come on. Because even then I wanted to cover up my sin. I wanted to, I can't tell him I've gone an hour and a half the wrong way on the right road. Come on, people. Now, people, I want you to know this is the pain of life. God will warn you, and you got to listen. Seek first the kingdom. See, he made it real clear. Don't put other things first. So when we do, and I hope you have a great, I love the burns. I love some people. I love your marriages because you know what? You tell each other that this isn't the right way. You know? We'll give up some things. We're going to have more kids. Now, don't be like them and have 12 kids or whatever. <laughs> but you know what? No, listen to me. I'm preaching very seriously. Don't listen to the lie. Wake up. And he'll give you warning signs because he loves you. See, this is the prodigal son. He goes and he ends up, he had warning signs. There were nights that he was lonely. There was nights that he kept giving to his addiction. More and more wine and living and women and everything. You read the text in all kinds of riotous living. He had all kinds of warning signs. Then he ended up in a pig's trough. That's what always happens, see, until, until we put God first. And then he decided to come home. You know, a phrase that I've missed all these years, listen to me, because I was thinking, I can't read this story about Ezra, about Israel returning without the prodigal son. It's a phrase, while he was still a long ways off. Did you hear that? While he was a long ways off. I believe so far that he couldn't see him from the front porch I believe the Father in some way is searching already. Will he find him if he turns around? While he was a long way off, he ran to him. That was an embarrassment in those days. Fathers didn't run to their children that had lost their way. And then he put a robe on him and protected him. With his horrific sin, he still protected him. And then he put a ring on his finger, which was a signet ring. Go study this today. It was, he, he trusted him again. And then he gave him shoes. You know why they'd never give slaves shoes? Because they would run away, and they should. They were slaves. But he trusted his son to never run away again. 
and he trusts you if you turn around. C.S. Lewis has two great quotes, many great quotes. I love mere Christianity. But he says, he says, if you chase happiness, you'll never find it. It's like a butterfly. The more you pursue it, 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 it flitters away. But if you settle yourself and get centered, it will come and rest on you. See? And you have to seek God first. You can't. He says if you seek him second, then you won't get anything. But if you seek him first. I'm going to tell you a very sad story. I'm going to end with two quick stories. I sat with my father three weeks, last three weeks. I would see him all the time. I'd fly down here to see him. I said the last three weeks before he went on to heaven. And I, I remember sitting with my dad. My dad had been a music minister, had been a youth pastor, had loved Jesus his whole life. My mother had a lot of challenges, but she loved Jesus. She had some mental illness because she had been abused by her father. Ways that we found out that are so destructive after, after he died. I never heard my father ever swear. In fact, once I told him, I think you have permission to, after we found out what my grandfather did to my mom. Now, don't judge me. I was so angry, but he wouldn't. But on his deathbed, look at me. He looked at me, and he said, I'm not sure. Look at me, people. I'm not sure. I took my dad by his shoulders. Dad, dad, you're not sure? You've known Jesus. Oh, dad, I know you're, you've had brokenness. I know that you're not perfect, but you have totally surrendered. Paul and I just came from a conference where one of our leaders quoted Tertullian, however you say his name, the great theologian that says, Jesus plus something is nothing. Did you hear me? If you add anything to Jesus besides the grace, remember what Paul wrote in Galatians? I'm so astonished that you're turning away from the only gospel that should be preached. If an angel comes and preaches a different way, like you do this, do this, and then you go to heaven. No, no, it's all by grace. Come on, people. This is unbelievable preaching. It's all by grace. Jesus plus nothing is everything. It's all grace. Come on, put your hands together. And I'm going to ask you, I took my dad, I had tears streamed on my face. Dad, pray after me. Lord Jesus, I trust you for eternity. I've trusted you my whole life. You've forgiven my sins. I trust you for total assurance. And we wept together. And he went home finally believing, I'm going to walk right into the presence of Jesus. Now listen, we not only get to do that for people in our life like my dad, I drove into my condo yesterday. Bill's my favorite neighbor. I've known him since 2008. Listen to me. Bill goes, Robin, you've loved me all these years. I go, Bill, you know I love you, man. You've been there for you. You have my number. I've had you go check on things at my house. I've trusted you all these years. And guess what he said to me? You've never told me what you do. Tia, look at me. You've never told me what you do. I go, well, I'm going to go down and preach at one of my favorite churches that we started five years ago in Cape Coral. And he looked at me and he said, I thought churches were extinct. I said, what? 
He said, Robin, can I ask you something? I've always wanted to ask you this. Are you a reverend? Come on, just laugh. I go, Bill, I said, I need to repent to you. I said, you know, I've loved you. I've told you how much God loves you. And I've never told you what changed my life. And he says to me, you'll be the closest I'm ever to God is you. And I said, no, no, no. Bill, look at me. I know you trust me. I'll be in your house tomorrow night. I'm going to introduce you to the one that will take you into the kingdom. His name's Jesus. He goes, you've, ne- you've never talked to me. About I said, look, can we do it tomorrow night? So you're going to pray for me tonight, right? You're going to pray for me tonight. I'm going to go in there. Come on, put your hands down. And I'm going to help him know how to be close to God. Not with Robin, but with Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask you two questions. Listen, if you've lost your way, you love Jesus, you know you have a habit, you have an addiction, you have something that's, that's not right in your life and you've lost your way. And you just today say, man, you, you told me today, Lord, you told me through Robin, I can come back. You'll make a way through the blood of his son, Jesus. That way has been made. If you just need a fresh return to God, would you just raise your hand? Just raise it real quick. Okay, amen. Just real quick. Amen. Back there. Yeah. Awesome. And then I'm going to do one more thing that we're going to sing. If you need assurance, you're already in Jesus and you're like my father. You say, yeah, but I can't forgive myself for some things in the past. I can't ever forget what I did. I can't forgive myself for the choice I made back, way back, 30, 40 years. Would you just slip up your hand and say, I need assurance today. I need assurance. Amen. We need assurance. We need it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you please do what you always do? I don't even have to beg you. Would you help us find our way back on the right road, the right way, putting you first. And the people that raise their hand, those who raise their hand in their heart, they couldn't even raise it. Would you give them total assurance that in you, You've restored all things, all forgiveness. You forgave us 70 times seven. You never quit forgiving us. You remove it as far as the east is from the west. And we receive it in Jesus' name today. And everybody said, amen, amen.